journey into the Bible and explore its hidden text and rich wisdom. Join Adol Kazilski Mondays at 1 p.m. for the trip of a lifetime. Hello, hello, Shavuot Tov to everybody. Welcome to 101.9 High FM. I am Adel Kozulski, and I'm going to be spending the next 45 minutes with you learning Torah, learning our precious, precious holy books that teach us so much about life. And I'm glad that you're here to join me and learn with me. If you're not driving and you have the ability to access a Bible, well, then go ahead, open up to chapter 49, we are coming very, very close to the end of the whole book of Genesis. We are in the Pasha of Ayechi, and we are going through the blessings that Jacob gave his son, um, his sons before he passed away. And today we've already had two sessions already. Um, today is going to be the last session where we will see the blessings of the last couple of brothers and um very soon after that, we are going to see um, the story about how they buried their father, Yaakov. So come along, join if you'd like to ask a question, if you have a comment, like to, uh, to actively participate, I'd love you to. And that's on 34519, that's our SMS line, 061-895-1019 is our, our telegram number. So we went through the first um, four brothers, Shimon and uh, Ruben, Ruben, Shimon, Levi and Yehuda. Um, and then last week we did Asher and Zvulun and Yisachar. And who else? There was one other guy, Asher and Gad. And now we are going to do the next four and we're going to start with the brother Naphtali. That is verse 21 of chapter 49. Um, and Naphtali actually gets a one-liner. It says, Naphtali ayala shilucha hanoiten imre shafer. That Naphtali is a messenger gazelle who delivers beautiful sayings. Now, Naphtali is likened basically to a gazelle. It's a, it's a, it's a, a deer that can run very, very fast, and that he will bring forth Imre Shafer, meaning that in his portion there will the, he will have fruit, and his fruit will ripen as fast as a deer runs. So he will basically look like he'll be a farmer, and he will be giving a lot of uh, fruits to the land of Israel. But it's very interesting that he is God, he is compared to a gazelle, because in ancient times, very interestingly, the kings would often exchange gazelles. Now, why is that? So we are told in the Midrash that if a king resided in the north, he would send gazelles to a king in the south, and his counterpart in the south would send other gazelles back to him. Meaning what? It means that, that the, the animals born and raised in the south would be sent to the north and, and vice versa. And why did they do that? Because if a king needed to send some type of secret or, or, or message to his counterpart, what they would do is that they would bind a note to the gazelle's horn and they would let it run free. Now, a gazelle runs very fast and a gazelle knows where his home is. And so the animal would run as fast as he could to get home 
and that was the manner in which kings would send messages to each other. Very unlike today when we just want to send a WhatsApp, an SMS, and give a phone call, and we're connected to whoever we want um, on the other side of the world. This is how they used to communicate in the times of the Bible. In fact, um, the Talmud tells a very interesting story that once the Romans, once Romans had imposed um, very high duties and taxes on a certain city, and the, the inhabitants of the city couldn't bear it any longer, so they sent a message to the emperor, and they said, listen, we're going to go to another land, and there they will have pity on us. And so the emperor called together his advisors to discuss what they should do, and the advisor said the following, Dear Emperor, you don't have to worry, because even if they leave, they will come back very soon. Why? Because people get used to a city, and they don't enjoy living elsewhere. And they said, if you want to have an example of that, a demonstration of this, if you want to call it homing drive, you know, like to come back to where you belong, then take a number of gazelles and send them to distant lands, and you'll see how soon they will, they will return. So the emperor had a number of gazelles prepared. He put silver tags on their horns so that they shouldn't be recognized. And he sent them from Rome to North Africa, which was across the Mediterranean. And we're told that after three years, or some opinions say 13 years, they arrived home. Why? Because they were not comfortable elsewhere. So the advisors chose gazelles because they have a, st a strong homing instinct and they are very, very fast runners. Now, Yaakov says to Naftali then, besides the blessing of the fruit that, you, that will ripen very quickly because you're likened to a gazelle, many kings will have gardens in your portion and they will praise God, thanking him for allowing them to have fruit in this blessed land. So... That is really, really what he's compared to. And we've spoken many times that the blessings of the, the, the children of Israel, of the sons of, of, of Yaakov, were very indicative of the wide variety of Jewish people that we have, that we, that we have today. And, um, you know, we can kind of, in a sense, always see ourselves in the various blessings that um, that Yaakov gave to his sons, that there are actually blessings or, or, or an indication of who we are today. And one of the things that really, you know, um, resonated with me when I read about Naftali is that today we are having an incredible war against assimilation. Um, in fact, it is said that you know, we are trying desperately to replace the six million Jews that were killed in the Holocaust. But today, a much, much greater Holocaust is happening, and that is the Holocaust of assimilation, the Holocaust of indifference, the Holocaust of ignorance that is eating into the Jewish people. And we are losing, in our numbers, many, many to the ravages of assimilation, simply because of ignorance, simply because you know, and metaphorically, we're in, in very distant lands and haven't been given the opportunity to understand and to embrace uh, Judaism. In fact, I was having a conversation with uh, somebody the other day and just reflecting on, on families. 
um, you know, are saying, well, you know, there was like three brothers or four brothers in this family and they had children. We are their children today. And sadly, um, a lot of the time, um, you will see that there is a tremendous amount of assimilation, that we've lost our Jewish brethren. And kind of like the metaphor of Naftali being that, that gazelle, that if they're taken out of their home, will run back to their home, is a prayer, is, is, a, is, a, is, is a comment that at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how far a Jew runs away from his home, from his spiritual home, from the home of his tradition, from the home of his belonging, um, there is a homing device in every single Jew, and that is the Jewish soul, and the soul that is connected to God. And many, many times, and we've seen that a lot on the other side of the spectrum, where many Jews, after a lot of assimilation and a lot of um, families who really gave up the mantle of Judaism, particularly after World War II, um, where a lot of these families have now seen a rebound of us running back like Naftali, like that deer, and coming back and embracing Judaism. And truthfully, a Jew cannot really run away. Um, there will always be that homing device, and it will be a device that will bring us home. would love to hear your comments or, or if you have um, any Anything to say on this uh, subject, it is a very big subject. 34519 is our SMS line. 061-895-1019, our telegram number. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. Right, we're discussing the blessings that Yosef gave, um, I mean that Jacob gave his sons, and now we are going to actually discuss Yosef. Yosef is actually quite long compared to Naftali. Um, it's four verses long. So I'm going to read all four verses and then we're going to go back and just dissect it. Now remember, Yosef took on the mantle of kingship. He took on, so he took on royalty. He took on kahuna. He took on the, the mantle of the, of, of the priesthood. And he also became the firstborn. We've discussed that in um, other shows. And again, just a reminder, if you have missed out something or you want to pick up on something, there's always the High FM podcasts that you can just go onto our website, go to podcasts, and you are able to pick everything up there. Right. Ben Porat Yosef, Ben Porat Ale Ayn Banot Ta'ada Ale Shor. We're going to be talking a lot of poetry now. A fruitful son is Yosef. Ben Porat Yosef. Yosef is a fruitful son. Ben Porat Ale'ayim. He's a fruit, fruitful son by the well. And one by one, young girls will strut along the wall. Vayimararuhu virabu vayishtemuhu ba'alechitzim. They will make him bitter and quarreled. An expert bowman will make him a target. His power will remain in place. His arms will be bedecked with gold. From the hand of the mighty one of Jacob, from there is the shepherd, the stone of Israel. Avicha, 
ברכות שמיים, מעל ברכות תהום, רובצת תחת ברכות שדיים ורחם. From the God of your fathers he will help you, and with the Almighty he will bless you, he will bless you with the blessings of heaven above, and blessings of the abyss which crouches below, and the blessings of breasts and the womb. And finally, Birchot Avicha Gavru al Birchot Horai al Tabat Gibot Olam Tihiena Nerosh Yosef Nakatkot Nazir Echav. The blessings of your father will be stronger than the blessings of my parents until the yearnings of the eternal hills. And they shall be for Yosef's head, for the crown of the most consecrated of his brothers. Quite convoluted quite esoteric and so it behooves us that we actually go and unpack this right let's go back to verse 22 you are a fruitful son and a son filled with grace basically what um, Yaakov was saying is that Yosef whoever will see you will immediately like you now Porat um, can be a vine um, so basically he was saying, you are going to be fruitful, you'll have many children, you'll be like a vine planted by a spring that never dries up, and your children will give rise to two tribes. We remember he named his children Menashe and Ephraim, and you will see here Menashe and Ephraim don't get their own blessings. This is the blessings of Menashe and Ephraim are incorporated into this, that he'll be fruitful and multiply, meaning he'll give birth to two tribes. And then it says your daughters will strut along the boundaries, meaning that even the daughters of the tribes will get portions in the land of Israel. Now here's what's very interesting is that most times what would happen with inheritance is that you follow the inheritance of your father, um, your father's side of the family. Inheritance goes down from father to son. Religion goes down from mother to child. So if you are, um, you have a Jewish mother, then you are Jewish, irrespective of whether your father is Jewish or is not. But when it comes to inheritance and it comes to all sorts of other legalities, then you follow the lineage of your father, one of them being the inheritance of the land. So if somebody, if a lady from the tribe of God married um, a man from the tribe of Naphtali, the inheritance would be in Naphtali. Um, she would not be able to take her inheritance with her. However, we see that there were times that this, this law was um, objected to and allowed because we know both the daughters of Menashe and the daughters of a famous descendant of Menashe, Tzalafchad, inherited a portion in the land of Canaan. The daughters of Tzalafchad is a very, very famous case where there were only girls, Tzalafchad was the man, there were, he only had daughters, and they came and they complained to Moshe and said to Moshe that, um, that in fact, they don't have any sons to inherit and why should they, um, you know, be cheated if they, they cannot um, inherit. And in fact, the Torah went and said then that um, they do inherit. So, that, that is the one thing where they're talking about the daughters strut, strutting the, board, the boundaries, meaning that they too will get an inheritance. 
But they're also talking about the fact at the time when Yosef was appointed ruler and was led through the city. If you remember, many young women climbed the walls, they climbed out of the windows just to cap catch a glimpse of, of Yosef's handsome face. They remember they threw gifts at him, they pushed in order to obtain a look, to look at him, and so um, that is what he was hinting to, but he wasn't just hinting like, you know, to give him an, an ego rub, but rather to say, you could have been so easily tempted. In fact, in fact, Yosef, you were strongly tempted, but you never gave in. Another um, discussion around about the fact that Yosef was a fruitful son was that um, Yosef apparently grew rapidly. Um, and they, he, he became a big boy very, very quickly. And one of the things that the Torah sings praise for him, and the reason why he was worthy of so much greatness, was because of what he did to his mother when they were coming from Padam Aram. If you recall, when they were coming out of Padam Aram and they were going to Israel, they landed up meeting Asaph. And unlike all the rest of the brothers, Yosef stood in front of his mother, we are told, like, like a cedar, okay, because he didn't want Asaph to see her. So basically here, what Yaakov is doing is singing the praise of Yaakov that he stood like a wall before his mother. Now, this was not what the rest of the brothers did. The rest of them all stood behind their mothers, and that's like natural, you know, something scary is coming towards you. You stand behind your mom or dad, and you hope that you'll be protective. But Yosef did it the other way. He made himself big, and he stood before, in front of his mother, to guard his mother from the praying eyes of Asaph. And so the Torah says, since you made yourself big then, you would be later worthy to attain greatness. You kind of like see the difference um, between uh, between those that are cowards and those that are born to, to lead. Now, perhaps one of the greatest praises that we can give uh, Yosef was surrounding the concept of Ayin of the eye. If you go look back in the verse, I'm just going to look at it over here. Um, it says, Alei Ayin. Okay. Um, some say it's translated as the well, but others say that it's about the eye. That he was a son who overcame the, the parat hafer, the eye. Now, what is that all about? Well, essentially, we're talking over here about the evil eye. Um, and that Yosef was able to push away, okay, he had power of the eye. He, was, he didn't allow the evil eye to have any power of him. And um, there is this concept of the eye in horror, of having an evil eye put upon you. Yosef was completely um, guarded. He, he, he was excused of, of any influence of the evil eye. Now, he was tempted a lot, though. Right, um, particularly in the area of immorality. Now we know that um, Yosef was put in a very compromising position many times. He never ever lifted up his eyes to look at the face of Mrs. Potiphar. If you recall, she was very seductive. 
Um, she tried to seduce him many, many, many times. Um, and she continually tried to tempt him for over a year. And it was then that she decided to throw him into jail because she was so frustrated with him. Also, similarly, we've just spoken about it now, but again, to make reference, when Yosef was made viceroy over Egypt, we know he was led through the, through the, um, through the streets. And many royal princesses came out to see him, we're told. They all threw diamonds and pearls at him in order to attract his attention. And again, he refused to look. So Yosef always guarded his eyes. And let's be frank, the eye is the port through which one can be put into very compromising situations. And the Talmud goes and says that the evil eye will have no power over Joseph's descendants because he did not lift up his eyes, neither to Potiphar's wife or when he was what was parading. And then Yaakov goes on to continue with the eye that they were they made him bitter and quarreled and expert bowmen made him the target, meaning that it was very, very difficult for him because both his brothers and Potiphar's wife embittered his life. They made him bitter and quarreled for him. They both made him really um, put into a horrible position. And it obviously, we know, inevitably um, led him to being cast into the dungeon. And both times, both with the brothers and Mrs. Potiphar's wife, because they quarreled with him, right? They sought revenge against him. And we are told here in the Midrash, this is a lesson that people with tongues like arrows made him their target and filled him with bitterness. That the power of the tongue and the power to, to, to be nasty is, 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 is quite frightening. Also, um, we were told, and we've, we've learned it before, it bears repeating over here, that the Egyptians themselves were jealous of, of Joseph. And they slandered him before Pharaoh because they wanted him to be dismissed from his high position. They did not dig the idea that uh, he attained so much greatness and uh, became a ru ruler overnight. So they did everything in their power to make him lose his position, and they, 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 they slandered him, they used false accusations, but again, Hashem blessed him and protected him from their plots. So that is why we see that, that, uh, that Yaakov goes and says that they made him bitter and quarreled and expert bowmen made them their target. They tried all that they could to, to get rid of Yosef. They were never, ever successful. And as the verse goes on to say, his power remained um, in place. His arms were bedecked with gold for the mighty one of Jacob. That means Hashem. Um, from there is the shepherd, the stone of Israel. Um, so basically, what this verse is saying is that Yosef's strength retained its full power. Um, and the merit was that he landed up then having that gold royal ring placed upon his hand. But Yosef understood, as so should we, that all of this was because it came from God, who is called here the Mighty One of Jacob. Yosef was elevated. And then what happened was he became a shepherd to Israel, to B'nai Israel. He sustained them. He looked after his fathers, his brothers. And at the end, what really, really happened, because he kept Torah and with all his heart, because he guarded his eyes from looking at bad things, all the dreams he said about his brothers 
came true. And that is why um, Yaakov continues and says, all this good came from God of your father, and he will continue to help you. And you were with Hashem, constantly attached to him, and therefore you are blessed. And he blesses them, blesses him then with what? With the blessings of the heavens due, as well as the waters that flow beneath the ground, and that all, all his children uh, will be blessed, men and women alike, with the blessings of seed and the womb, meaning all women would be fertile, um, they wouldn't miscarry, no man would lose his children. Why? Because none of his efforts would be in vain. Incredibly, incredibly strong blessings, powerful, powerful blessings, um, but there are blessings that we can call midah connected midah, measure for measure, because Yosef was put in so many compromising situations where he could have legitimately gone and said, I couldn't manage because it was just so hard. But he, he always managed to um, maintain his morality, his integrity, his honesty. And so now um, he has gone and influenced his descendants in an unbelievable way. And finally, Yaakov goes and says that um, the blessings that I am giving you are better than the ones that, I, that, that my fathers were granted. The blessings that God is going to give you are going to be greater than Abraham and Yitzchak. Why? So let's look. Abraham, God said, lift up your eyes. And from where you look, north, south, east, and west, for all the land that you will see, I will give it to you and your offspring. So at that time, God only showed Abraham the land of Israel. Then to Yitzchak, God said, to you and your offspring, I will give all these lands and I will keep the oath that I made to Abraham. So basically, if you look at that, Yitzchak didn't really receive anything more than Abraham. But says Yaakov, to me, God gave me the blessing. And you can go look at back, back at chapter 28 for it. God said, you shall expand to the west, the east, the north, and the south. And through you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Meaning, my blessings are therefore very great, giving me, my, giving me authority and power in all four directions. Okay? And basically, he's saying now, that I am declaring that all these blessings are now to go onto Yosef's head because he was the most consecrated. He was the Nazir of all the brothers and he was separated for so long. And so you are going to get the, the powerful blessings that I received that were more expansive than Abraham and Yitzhak and I will give them to you. And finally, he says, you shall have the blessings of the breasts and the womb, meaning that um, the, the breasts, so to speak, that nursed Yosef and the womb in which you were conceived are metaphors that his business dealings will be successful and that he will have an abundance of all the good in the world. Yosef really, really cashes it in and he probably gets one of the best blessings um, of all the blessings that were given to the brothers. This is 101.9 High FM. High FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. And finally, he comes to the youngest son, that is Benjamin, 
And we're now looking at chapter 49, verse 27. That Benjamin, you are a wolf of prey. In the morning, you eat a portion, and in the evening, you divide the spoil. Meaning that Benjamin will be like a wolf, he'll, he'll prey on other animals. And this is really an allusion to the kingdom of of Shaul, of Saul. Saul was metaphorically the mourning of Israel because he was the first king and he did come from the tribe of Binyamin. So when it says in the morning you will eat a portion, that is a prophecy about Shaul, him being the, the dawning of the kingdom of Israel. And then in the evening, um, you will divide the spoil. That is talking about the descendants of Binyamin, who also would save Israel. And who is that? We know that much later in time, Israel was exiled. Nebuchadnezzar brought them to Babylon. And there, there were two Benjamites, two people from the tribe of Binyamin. Their names were Mordechai and Esther. And they would save Israel from death, and they would inherit all of Haman's wealth. So this verse is a prophecy about um, uh, Benjamin's um, descendants, one being Shaul and the other being Mordechai and Esther. Now remember one of the blessings he also got was that the divine presence was destined to rest in Binyamin's portion. We know that the Kodesh Kedoshim and the great altar in the Jerusalem temple was there. And so again we can take the verse in the morning um, he eats a portion and in the evening he divides the prey to say that morning and evening animals were brought as, um, as, as sacrifices on the great Mizbeach and in the evening the Kohanim would divide the sacrifice amongst them and each one would take their share. Now there's a tradition that the Babylonian Empire was destroyed by Yehuda. Babylon was likened to a lion and so Yehuda was also likened to a lion. Benjamin was likened to a wolf. And the Persian Empire, um, which he would ultimately bring the downfall that through, through Mordechai and Esther, was also likened to a wolf. The Greek Empire was brought down by Levi. And if you remember, the Greek Empire is the story of Hanukkah, which is going to be coming up very soon. And so that was by Levi, who was um, from the Levites and the Roman Empire. This is Western civilization, the, the, the um, Galut, the exile that we are in right now, that will come to an end through Yosef. And that's very interesting because um, in our literature, we do have the concept that there are two Mashiachs. One is Mashiach ben Yosef, Mashiach ben David. Mashiach ben Yosef brings the physical redemption of the Jewish people, and Mashiach ben David brings the spiritual redemption. All of these tribes of Israel, there were 12 in number, and this is what their father spoke when he blessed them. And then he blessed them each with their own special blessing. Now, if you recall, um, when we started the blessings of the sons, and um, 
<laughs> what we read about Reuben, Shimon and Levi, there was no blessings. There was a scolding. He didn't give them any blessings. But it says once he finished this, he then gave each of them an appropriate blessing as well. And because Shimon, um, Levi and Reuben accepted their reprimands and silence, they landed up getting a special um, status. Now, just one last thing that I want to bring to your attention is that um, Jacob likened Yehuda to a lion, Benjamin to a wolf, Naphtali to a gazelle, and Dan to a snake. Now when he blesses them all together, it should be that all of them would have the power of the lion and the wolf, the speed of the gazelle, and the power to inflict harm like a snake. All of them would be equal. Um, and really, again, as I said, um, when we started the blessings of the sons, um, we, we understood and we know that um, it's a, an indication of each and every one of us and how we contribute to the Jewish people. There are many, many facets to the Jewish people. Some of us are scholars. Other of us are businessmen. Some of us are, are teachers. Others are, are farmers. We are not a homogenous people, and in order to be Jewish, one size fits all. That is not true. And even when we look at the traditions we keep, we all subscribe to one Torah. We all subscribe to one, one set of law, but our customs that come along differentiate us. We have Sephardim, we have Ashkenazim, we have Hasidish, we have Misnagdim, we have all sorts of, and, and in every single one of, of, of the Lithuanian world, you'll have different ideas, and, and in the Hasidish world, you'll have different sets. And it's not right, and it's not wrong. It's that the Torah, while it looks as the Jewish people, as a homogenous people, and a people that have to um, be strong in unity, at the same time, we, we, we are allowed and we are encouraged to express our individuality and to, exp to bring to the world our particular gifts and powers that we have. Not everybody um, has, as they say in Yiddish, the zitzflesh, the ability to sit down and learn Torah all day long. There are those that are learning Torah all day long and they are to be praised. Not all of us have the courage, the ability to go stand and fight for the Jewish people, but there are, and we praise and we thank the IDF. Not everyone is able to go out in business and make success and make money in order to help um, the institutions of the Jewish people, but there are, and we are grateful for those. Not everybody are teachers and are able to go out and learn. Whatever industry, and I, I guess you get the, the, you know, the, the understanding that we are actually made up of a tapestry of all sorts of people who have got all sorts of gifts, and that is reflected in the, the, the blessings of the tribes, the, the, the 12 tribes of Israel. We are under one Father. We're under God Almighty, and we all subscribe to his Torah and to his book of morality, but at the same time, um, we are encouraged and expected to bring that which we are good at to, to, to the Jewish people, to the world, and to make this world a better place, to be a light unto the nations. Um, and really, if we look at modern-day Israel and modern-day Jewry, you can see that across the board um, from what it is that we are able to bring to this world. 
and that therefore is the the varied varied blessings that Jacob gave his sons now just finally we are told that a blessing of a, the blessing that a person gives his children before he's die before he dies is most significant it says that one should try bless his children before he passes on and he must make sure his mind is clear free of evil evil thoughts um and the reason why one should try bless before you pass on is because when a person is near death your body is weak and your soul is much stronger and so the blessings will be more spiritual and that is why that is the reason why Jacob blesses his sons before he died as opposed to during his lifetime and similarly we see the same thing with Moses and he blesses all of Israel before his death well that we are going to conclude today i hope you enjoyed and you gained something for um more in your life um perhaps the most important message is you are who you are because god put you put you um in this world he woke you up today so go out and share your strengths and your abilities not only with the jewish people but with the world at large and with that i wish you a shavuot tov and i'll be back next week this is 101.9 high fm